As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back, Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and we're back with another episode of One Percent Better. So, I don't know what week it is, Zach. I think it's week 13, I believe. But uh, yeah, four to it's go. in the books. It's moving along fast, and the Colts want another one. So they are eight and four, 26 to 20 over the Houston Texans. Uh, look, I'm underwhelmed, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't think they're playing for votes or for the polls or the committee or whatever it is that uh, happens in the college ranks. So we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with straight up wins. You win or you lose and the chips fall accordingly. So the Colts win. Uh, Got a little lucky maybe, but that's okay too. It doesn't matter how you get there. No one will ask you in January. So, uh, but I think there is a lot to unpack here. Um, This was an interesting game. I, I, I thought, Zach, it would be difficult Okay, so the fact that this was close, I don't think it's surprising to me, uh, but I don't think we can overlook the fact that (laughs) the Colts did their best to lose this game, it felt like, in some ways, so uh, that remains to be true. Uh, I've kind of wondered this morning if I was too hard on them. I kind of feel like maybe they're not a team that's going anywhere in January, and, and maybe I'm basing that on recency bias, but... I don't know. What are you? What what are, what are your main takeaways on this loss? Or excuse me, this win. It felt like a loss to me. Yeah, maybe. isn't that ominous right there? <laughs> Doesn't it feel like this team should have won this one by fifteen or fourteen? Or doesn't it feel like they had so many chances to put this away? Yeah, and it's like one of those plays with Deshaun Watson. They had him in their grasp, and you can't do that, or you commit a penalty, or you have two huge plays on special teams that get called back. And then you get the luckiest of lucky breaks late in the game. Um, now, I don't want to take credit away from Grover Stewart because he punched that ball loose and the Colts jumped on it. But ooh, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about it after that one. I, I feel like they they made enough mistakes to lose the game. They came out of there with a win. Um, but I, ooh, I don't know. I, I don't think they convinced a lot of people yesterday that they're headed to January necessarily as a complete team because there's a lot of flaws we saw yesterday right and so perspective right you know i think that you can look at 
go look out west yesterday at what happened, and you see Seattle losing at home to the Giants. I, I can't explain that. I didn't see the game, but come on, right? I can't explain that. But that happens, right? That kind of thing does happen. Um, the Browns yesterday, who are a very good team, but man, just put a beat down on Tennessee. The score ended up being close in the end, but I don't think the game was actually close. Yeah. So, you know, this league is weird. I don't like know. you it, said in your story, you don't apologize for wins. And I don't think the Colts are right. going to be apologizing this afternoon. No, they won't. And they shouldn't. I mean, I would, I would be disappointed in, in them if they did. You can't ever apologize. I mean, eight and four is eight and four. I mean, it's tough to get there. I mean, you want, you play 12 games, you want eight. Okay. I can accept that. That's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but I think, it's like I, I think I tweeted this. I said we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like we can say "attaboy" and also say "you guys got a lot of work to do." <laughs> okay, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like this team. I think we've seen some moments with this team where they flirted with uh, the idea of being really, really good. Yeah, and then I think we watch a game like yesterday, and I'm like, I don't know, like. Is that a team that's going to go on the road in January and go beat somebody? And I'm like, I don't know. All right, so let's break it down. What are the concerns that jump out? We haven't gotten into the fourth down call, and we will. And we'll dig dig into that. We'll unpack that. And part of it is playing who they played. And I mean the quarterback. For a lot of the game yesterday, and I texted you guys this, the Texans were in the game because of two players. And, And if I'm the Colts right now, the biggest issue with the Indianapolis Colts right now is left tackle. Like, who the heck is going to play left tackle on Sunday? Because Chaz Griezmann was getting whooped yesterday. We don't know the severity of LaRaven Clark's ankle, but suddenly you need LaRaven Clark to come back. And then we don't know Anthony Costanzo. He didn't practice at all last week. I'd say it's probably not a good chance he plays Sunday in Las Vegas, but I guess anything's possible. But this team, without AC, they can't... I mean, they're just not themselves. They're not themselves. And you saw how much Watt... Moved around the line scrimmage yesterday and wrecked the game. But part of it is I'm just going to give credit to Deshaun Watson because he's a freak, man. He is unbelievable. And the Colts are going to have to live against that for a long time in this division. And, and there were so many good defensive plays the Colts made. Good blitzes, good pressures that just Watson eluded because he's so special. And then he made average receivers look great down the field. Um, then he made a really big mistake late in the game. But... I feel like Watt and Watson kept them in the game, two dynamic, historically good players. Um, but for me right now, the Colts have a huge concern at left tackle. Well, let me start by saying Deshaun Watson. Okay, first of all, uh, I think I said this in my story. The Colts are really lucky that the Texans are incompetent. Yes, well okay. said. Let me just say that because – if Deshaun Watson had a supporting cast that he could rely on, the Colts would be in trouble. I'm just telling you, they would be. And so would Tennessee, okay? They might be in trouble because that guy, I mean, he's it's either him or Derrick Henry in terms of the best player in the, in the division at this point. I mean, that's how good the guy is. I and mean, look, the Colts got a couple candidates there too on defense, but my goodness, uh, he, he can single-handedly win a game. There's no question about it. He can single-handedly win a game, and he almost did. He almost did. 
And it's just fun to watch. I mean, it's not Kiki fun. Kiki QT had 141 team. receiving yards yesterday, and he has been a healthy scratch for earlier parts of the season. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Hanson had 101. I mean, these are guys that are not killing other teams, but but Watson just makes everybody around him better. Yeah, I mean, I think of the one play where he hits Kuti uh, for, I think it was 64 yards. Darius Leonard has him. He has him for a sack. Yeah. He blitzes, a little bit delay blitz. He gets in there. He's got him around the waist. He's pulling him down, and he shakes out of it and <laughs> rolls to his right and throws on the run 64 freaking yards. Okay, what are we What are we talking about? Like, who does that? How did teams but, pass on him in the draft? <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, my God. It's just, So, anyway, I, I know this isn't the point of the podcast, but I just it is what it is. We have to give credit where it's due. The, the kid is unbelievable. I mean, like, he is so, so good. I don't even know that, that league-wide we're giving him nearly enough credit for how good he is. He's so good, and no yeah, one's talking if you, about him. If you look at the sucks. box score, he didn't throw a touchdown, and he right. only had a rating of 85 because he had the interception that Kenny Moore took off. But, like, dude was the best player in the field yesterday. I mean, he was just yeah. electric. I mean, it's – Whoa. So on the flip side, it's funny. Part of the reason the Colts held him somewhat in check, certainly in terms of the scoreboard, they held him in check. Part the reason they did that is because as much as he made them pay in terms of eluding pressure, they got a lot of pressure. Like that was their best pass rush game maybe of the season. And yet he still <laughs> almost had a day for, for them or against them. So it's kind of interesting. You can play great against him, and he can still make you look bad. And that's what they did yesterday. They had five sacks, I mean, and a lot of pressure beyond the five sacks. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know the, the pressure numbers off the top of my head right now, but uh, that was – I don't know that I've seen a game this year where the Colts had that much consistent pass rush. And he holds the ball, I will say, so that's part of it. Oh, but, but they, they were dialing stuff up. I mean, they yeah. were they were they bringing blitzed it. more than they have at any, any yeah. point. They yeah, got home as much as they have, but they couldn't bring him down. But I can think of one there. play, and I'll go back and watch the tape later. But I can think of one play where Eberflus brought Kenny Moore and Darius, and they both yeah. nearly got him. And you can't fault them for bringing two of their fastest guys off the edge. But Watson just somehow eluded them and threw it off right at the last second. But I don't, how many tweets did you get yesterday about Justin Houston? Because we kind of called him out last week and said, where's <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. And that yeah. dude absolutely erupted yesterday with three sacks, one of them being a safety, and, and just some vintage Justin Houston stuff. I mean, in a game that came down to like six huge plays in the second half, he made like three of them. He was a monster yesterday. And, and I think that leads to an important point. Um, when you have a game like yesterday where – the Colts, they could not put that game away. There's no question about it. And what it takes is you, you got to make some key plays, to, especially against a dynamic player like that. You got to make some some big plays where you rise to the occasion. And they did do that. I'll give them a lot of credit. They did do that defensively in particular. Uh, offense, I think we need to sort of recap that in a bit. But, but defensively, they definitely did that. Justin Houston's play and the stunt they ran there was perfect. Uh, they executed it perfect, and and it worked just how they wanted it to work. And then you got Kenny Moore, as you mentioned, just basically taking the ball away from Brandon Cooks. What I a mean, play! That's what he did. He what in midair, play. he took the ball away from him. <laughs> okay, that's just man against man. I'm stronger than you. He took the ball away. I'm gonna start. Got, I'm gonna start a Kenny Moore fan club because more people need to know about this guy. 
No, you're right. Like, it wasn't just the interception, but, like, he did so many different things yesterday. And that's a microcosm of his entire game, his entire career. He just does so many little things. And I just feel like people don't know who Kenny Moore is. I mean, he's got to be one of the best nickels in, in football. He's so good in that role. So, Kenny Moore, eight tackles, three pass deflections, and an interception. I don't know Not why to they mention, kept throwing his way. <laughs> right. Not to mention uh, all the, the pressure he creates from, from blitzing. So, yeah, I mean, the guy's fantastic. He is fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, it took some – it, it took some some real big time plays uh, to even keep that Houston offense in check. I give them credit; they shut them down in the second half, or shut them out. They didn't shut them down; they shut them out. But but Houston certainly did not move the ball nearly as well in the second half, and it's because that defense really rose to the occasion. Uh, but man, I, I think let's let's talk about the defense's last possession. Obviously, Houston. Houston moved right down the field. I wasn't surprised by that because I think in those two-minute scramble drill situations, I mean, who would you rather have than Deshaun Watson, a guy who who can make plays off schedule? Because that's how that that's how those situations tend tend to unfold. So he's the perfect guy for those sort of two-minute situations. I feel like so I'm not surprised the Texans moved the ball as effectively as they did. Uh, I think the question has to be, how did it come to that? Okay, and it came to that by the Colts not getting on the scoreboard in the second half, and also the fourth down decision certainly. Yep. And so we can talk about that. Um, I'll let you go first if you if you want. Give me your thoughts on the decision and just the thought process behind that. So, so basically, we're talking about we're talking about fourth and one in the fourth quarter. I think about what five minutes to go. 650 um, left, you're up okay. 24 to 20. So a field goal makes it a seven point game, which is, right. you know, that's a huge difference from, from eight or nine. I get that. You're on the five. And you've been running it well with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think everyone out there, every Colts listener to this podcast knows Frank Reich's going to go for it, probably like eight, right. eight out of nine, eight out of 10 times, right? You could not have been surprised. If you were surprised, then I don't know where you've been. I think that's a given. This guy's aggressive. I think the the numbers bear out. You should play more aggressive than NFL teams traditionally have. Now, I would caution that to say, like, sometimes kick the field goal, Frank. Sometimes take the points. I get it. I didn't hate the call to go for it. I didn't like the actual play call. Now, let's get into this, though, because there were a couple options. It was it was an option play, right? Um, it was a run-pass option. And I, I, I like a lot of people out there, I don't like Naheem Hines running up the middle. And I think, and I need to go back and watch the tape, but I think Trey Burton whiffed on a block. Yeah. And that hurts because if you miss one block, that can blow up the entire play. There was nowhere to go. It didn't matter who was in the backfield. They weren't getting in the end zone or weren't get that in yard. But what did you think, and what did you think of Frank's explanation, and what do you think of the overall, like sometimes, sometimes it's okay just to like, Give it. To, I don't know why Jonathan Taylor wasn't the the option there. <laughs> right. You know, that's that's where I'm at with it. So a couple things. First off, regardless of who the running back is, why is Trey Burton the, the lead blocker? Okay, yeah, that that's is a good point. I mean, I'm sorry, Trey Burton. I like Trey Burton. He's okay. He's fine as a tight end. A pass I love him catching in the pass game. End. Yeah, he's fine as a pass catching tight end. Okay, let's. Let's call him what he is. Like you wouldn't stick Eric Ebron in there 
to make that block, right? Not in a hundred <laughs> <I> years. <laughs> okay. So I don't think it's that different. The difference is that Trey Burton is more willing, certainly, but that doesn't mean that he should be doing it. it doesn't mean he's good at it. It's not his thing. And so I, I just think it's, it's max of overthinking the situation, right? It's like, oh, I got this cool play. And I'm not even mad at that, right? I think sometimes it's okay to try some things, but you know we got this cool play. Uh, they'll never see this coming. Yeah, you're right. They'll probably never see Trey Burton coming on an inside, uh, blocking down <laughs> inside like that as the lead blocker for uh, for Naheem Hines. No, they probably wouldn't see that. But that doesn't mean you should do it in that situation. You know what I mean? I think sometimes in that situation here you have you've got. You got to trust Quentin Nelson and, and Ryan Kelly, I feel like, you know, and and get your big horse in there. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, who has run, who was running great in the second half, especially the right. fourth quarter, just ripped off the longest run of the season a few minutes before that. You know, I mean, come on. Right. So did you know one thing I want to ask you about? Mm-hmm. Did you notice in the post game when Frank said any one of our backs could have been in on that play? We felt confident with any one of them. That's right. where I disagree. It It's very obvious that each of these running backs have different skill set. They're very different running backs, and that's fine. And that's why, in a lot of cases, they're really good. They're dynamic. They're different. I don't like Naheem in, in short-yarded situations, and I don't see why the Colts do either. And he was sensitive to that criticism, right? I think, a little bit. And and, and he even said, he said, oh, well, you know, I get this question a lot when we when we use Naheem in short yardage. And and. Yes, exactly. There's a reason people keep asking, Frank. It's like, and he even said, I understand why why the question comes. I would, it, it makes sense. But like, yes, it makes sense. It, it, there's a reason people are asking. I I actually do appreciate the fact that, I, I think if you recall, 2018 in particular, there were some times where Naheem was weirdly successful in short yardage. Do you remember some of those situations? I don't. And, I blocked out a lot of 2019, to be honest. <laughs> Okay, well, there were some, and I I did think it was bizarre, and I couldn't explain it, but but there were some, and I couldn't figure out why he would go to him there, but but he did, and and it worked in some cases, but fine. Um, but I I think that had more to do with Naheem being a creative runner and finding a crease where there wasn't one, and it's not it's certainly not about like power and things like that. I mean, he's one hundred and ninety five pounds, right? So I mean, come on, so. I don't understand. I I think that he's almost looking at these running backs almost like a, a participation trophy situation. You know, it's like, oh, they're all the same. Frank, come on, man. They're not all the same. They're not. You know, that doesn't mean they can't all do the same things in certain situations, but they're not all the same. They're not. And no you one can't, would... like, you can't just, like, blindly equate skill sets like i i just i don't get that like i don't get like we believe in all our guys like i totally get defending players but don't put players in a position to to not succeed and don't necessarily like scheme certain things to their obvious traits like the obvious things they're good at i guess i don't know what i'm trying to say but i think a lot of people are saying like like it just like it's kind of like after the cleveland game when when frank said look phillip's playing great football you know, he's, he's the least of my worries. It's like, like no, like my eyes tell me something different, Frank. I just disagree with that. And I disagree with the call here. Um, but 
they got a safety a couple plays later. So we should mention the fact that, look, if you're going to go for it on their five, worst case scenario, you don't get it. They take over. Um, you know, Frank's like, I believe in my defense. I don't have a problem with the aggression and the belief in the defense. I no. do not have a problem yeah. with that. I just hated the play call. I just hated that situation. And, you know, maybe if it works and Naheem gets the first down or even a touchdown, he looks like a genius. And I totally get that. Um, but I didn't love the the explanation either. I'll say that. Yeah. And, and look, as for the as for going for it, I'm with you. Like, that's fine. Because I, I think that's a situation where clearly you're playing to win, right? You are saying, you know what? Um, if we score here, it's ball game. Pretty much, yeah. right? Six minutes to go. We're going to be up two scores. I feel good about that. I like thinking like that. I like yeah. Frank wants to take control of the game, and he wants to take it to the opponent as opposed to playing safe. I like that. Right. I mean, look, but, we know, and I probably overuse this example, but Chuck Pagano, God bless his heart, he would have kicked that field goal. Yep. And it might have worked. Maybe. But we know we all know they'd have been going to overtime. <laughs> okay, let's be honest, <laughs> <laughs> because he would have called he would have called the wrong coverage. But anyway, all I say is this: I I, I have no problem with them going for it. I think that's playing the win. Uh, I think as a fan, you probably should want your team to do that. I think as yeah. a player, you definitely want your team to do that, right? They, those guys, nobody out there, I'm sure, expressed any kind of like second guessing. Like, wait, we're going, we're going for this? No. I'm sure they were all like, hell yeah, we're going for this. So I don't think anybody's necessarily like shitting on the idea of going for it. I, I'm fine with it. Uh, but I'm with you. I just, like I said, with the three running backs, I, I do agree they all have a role and should have a role and all have a purpose and, and all those things are great. I mean, Naheem is a wonderful player in his own right. But I just think that you have to obviously limit, or excuse me, recognize his limitations. I mean, I look at like T.Y. Hilton, right? Like, T.Y. Hilton can run every route, but there are certain routes where you feel more comfortable running T.Y. Hilton because he is right. very diminutive, right? I mean, like, that's right. always been a consideration. Right. You can tell Michael Pittman Jr. is running slants because he's a monster and he could catch it over the middle and then right. dish out some hits. And you don't see T.Y. necessarily take those same routes on. Right. But you could also say, oh, we love all our wide receivers. And I'm sure they do, right? But you don't treat them equally necessarily, right? So I think... That's an example that you can apply to this running back situation. It's like, you know, I get it. You like them all. You want to use them all. I get that. But then give them the opportunity to to put them in best position to succeed, I think. And I don't know that they did that. Nor did they do that, I think, with Trey Burton. I'll go back and I'll, I'll watch the coach's film when it when it gets posted. And that'll give me a better view. But uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't feeling it personally yeah uh, and, and let me one thing to wrap a bow on this is you know mm-hmm. we hear this a lot during games is a lot of fans are disgusted with the play calling they don't think Reich's very good I will say this I completely disagree with that I think he's been really good on the wholeheartedly whole, there have absolutely been instances where I'm like no I don't see that at all but more often than not he, he's putting this team in a really good position to do well offensively. And I think the marriage with Phillip Rivers is starting to pay off in a big way. And I think everybody can see that. Frank schemes his guys to get wide open a lot. You just don't see that in the NFL very often. But there's so many plays, and there's a lot of reads that Rivers makes. And I think he's been really, really good the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Taylor touchdown yesterday, that was just Rivers yeah. seeing, seeing an opening and hitting them. And, and I think as a whole... 
I think I think Reich's right up there with one of the best play callers in football. And I think if you asked a lot of fan bases, they would probably say the same thing, especially the Philadelphia Eagles, who yeah. are floundering right now at the moment. Um, I mean, there's definitely play calls that I disagree with. And the Naheem call yesterday on fourth and one is at the top of the list. But overall, I think I think Reich is, is still very, very good in that department. Yeah, I, I, I think that's so important. I want to I want to actually double down on that because I think sometimes like the conversation we just had, right? We just spent the last five minutes talking about why Frank made a terrible decision in our estimation. Now, <laughs> what happens in these situations so often is we get bogged down talking about the one or two or three plays that we hate, and it's very easy to then overlook all of the other eight, nine, 10, 12 plays where the guy was absolutely killing the other coach. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we, we got to, have some balance there. Not us. I'm talking more so fans because I I mean we're not the ones walking around saying Frank Reich's a terrible play caller. I certainly am not saying that and you certainly are not saying that. But we do hear it. And maybe it's a Twitter thing. I don't know. But I do think there are people who really feel that. But I think really that is that those are people who are are concentrating on a handful of plays they don't like. Um and and sometimes to be honest, I think Frank has these sort of I don't know what's the right term. They're not high risk, high reward, but they're sort of like all or nothing plays, I guess, if if it makes sense. And what I mean by that is there are plays where if it works, oh, it's going to be a big play. But if it doesn't work and the defense sniffs it out, it's going to look bad and you're going to say, oh my God, I can't believe he made that call. But But he knows sometimes like, okay, I've seen them. I know what coverage they run in this situation. And if we hit this right, it's going to be a big play. So that's sort of the art to play calling, you know, and, and it's some, you got to understand that sometimes you're going to look bad because you just make the wrong call at the wrong time, but it doesn't make you a bad play caller. It just means, you know, you, it's like sometimes you, you get a bad hand and that sometimes you can, you can dick, you can get that as a play caller, you know, and the play is going to look bad. Uh, I think sometimes that happens with Frank. He has, a, I think a lot of all or nothing situations where if he hits it, He's going to hit it big. And maybe if it doesn't work, it's going to look really ugly. And you're going to think he's a he's a clown or something. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Um, so, we've talked about the play call. But what about the offense generally? Uh, I don't know that I have seen such a disparity first half or between first half and second half. And I don't yeah. even know what happened. Like, I can't put my finger on, like, one particular thing. I think it was like a... A series of things, but uh, we just how do you assess the offense coming out of that game? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, my huge, huge, huge question mark is is Chaz Green at left tackle. He was just getting destroyed, so that's a huge element to this and why they weren't able to really protect Rivers as much as they probably would have liked. I thought Rivers was really, really good in the first half, really sharp. I thought Reich was too. You saw them. I mean, they they're scoring touchdowns on like fifty percent of their on their drives to start the game. I mean, that's a really good way to start. Their opening um, drives are fantastic. They got Jonathan Toler, Taylor running in the sec- in the second half, in the fourth quarter. And they moved the ball down the field. We all know what happened after that, the fourth down. Um, they got T.Y. going. We've been saying it. I've been saying all year, like, all he's the- still healthy. Like, he can still do it. All it took was a trip to Houston to get him going. But <laughs> T.Y. had 100 in the first half, and it looked like the T.Y. of old, right? That catch on the sideline where he got blown up, that was some impressive stuff. So, yeah. Um, Big day for T.Y. I thought the offense struggled mainly because Costanza was out. Um, but they just, 
it just they just kind of sputtered in the second half. And then they got really conservative, it felt like. They were running it on second and longs, and there was a lot of third and longs where they got themselves in, in penalty situations where they were just dumping it off for four or six yards. Like, I don't know. I felt like they just got a little too conservative in the second half, and, and that's exactly how you let a team like the Texans with Deshaun Watson, at quarterback, come back on you. Um, but, look, we know Rivers is hobbling around a little bit. He's playing through this. You know, I was it was described to me as a really bad turf toe. But it was also described to me like, look, he's going to keep playing. No questions asked. Oh, so yeah. this is the reality they're at. Um, but I think, number one, I don't know what you do at left tackle this week if Costanzo can't go. I don't know if you sign someone. I don't know if you can sign someone off the street that is better than Chaz Green because it's really hard to find a backup tackle who can step in in a week. So they're in a tough spot, and, and they better pray that Anthony Costanzo's knee gets better soon. Yeah, I mean they're going to play Chaz Green. They have to. I, I that's what I think. Um, that's what worries me. I'm, I I know. <laughs> I think it's the best of a lot of really bad options. I mean, there's there aren't any good tackles on the street. Uh, exactly. First of all, and then second of all, uh, he has the time on task. At least he you know he'll know the offense. He's been uh, he's he's been in practice with them. He has he has the reps. <sighs> I, I think that there are they are where they are there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, you mentioned a couple things. Number one, uh, what the second half in terms of the sputtering. So here, here's the interesting thing. So first half, their first uh, five drives, touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. They had another. They had another possession. I think that was a kneel down at the end of the first half. So basically, four out of five possessions in the first half, they scored, and three of those were touchdowns. I mean that is that's money, okay? They are rolling. Second half. Uh punt, 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 downs, punt. <laughs> so okay. So how how did they lose how did this happen? Um I think a couple things. I think the penalties were big. They had a couple of really key penalties, got behind the sticks, I believe, on two of those punt situations. Uh there was also 
you mentioned being or excuse me being conservative and i think that was a factor as well they had the early i think early fourth quarter possession um uh, that was the one for me excuse me not early it was late it was late uh with, they got it with i think three minutes to go or something like that here we go so th- 602 yeah. there it is there it is um yep. And so that was after the safety. That's what it was, right after the safety. This is what I didn't like. So second down and I think second second and 10 or so, they got a penalty. So they end up with second and 20. Okay, that's fine. But now it's like what? There's like three and a half, four minutes to go. Um, and look, you got a lot of time left, okay? <laughs> You're protecting a six-point lead. And they ran it up the middle with Jordan Wilkins on second and 20. And I was like, oh, you're not even going to try. Yeah, oh. that's what I have an issue with as well. And so you're the same guy <laughs> who five minutes earlier went for a fourth down. With well, Nyan yeah. Hines, granted, but you went for a fourth down. So don't turn around and run it on second and 20 up the middle with Jordan Wilkins. I mean, what are we doing? Like, what is that? So I don't know. I just I, I couldn't rationalize that. I couldn't reconcile I should say, you know, what they were trying to do there. I, I, I wasn't quite sure. I, I, to me, that that says, okay, we're punting. That's what that says. Yeah. And Did they get bailed out? Did it feel like they've got bailed out on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, because if you get a first down there, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not saying you go down and score, but you don't have to score. All you got to do is just eat clock. Yeah. You know, you get them to use their timeouts. I think they were actually getting them to use their timeouts as it was. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what he that's what he did. He was trying to get them to use their timeouts. And and he did that on some level, but I think they may have had one left, but uh but that wasn't enough. They still I would have liked minutes. more aggression there. And and I get you want to run the ball and you want to burn some clock and get them to burn their timeouts, but I would have liked to play action and, and maybe a shot to Jack Doyle for ten, just to move the chains and make the Texans use another first another timeout. And 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 he probably would have been open because they're gonna be heavy in the box. You know, or, or mm-hmm. go to T.Y. I mean, go to a play that you know is going to work. Maybe that slant where they run on fourth and four a lot to T.Y., something like that. Um, I, I just – I didn't like the over-aggression with Hines on that fourth and one. I didn't like the under-aggression on the the drive after the safety that Justin Houston is trying to win you the game and you can't right. finish it off. And then we go down and they – I mean, they basically are just on their heels. They're two yards away from losing the game. I mean, maybe the Colts would have had enough to drive down the field and get a field goal attempt, but I don't know. I don't know. With no timeouts and 50 yards to go in about 55 seconds, it would have been tough. But yeah, it would have. Uh, yeah I, I don't know. I, th- I just think that there was a little bit of incongruity there with the the aggressiveness and then the lack of aggressiveness there, like I said. Um and and I think, like I said, with two minutes or more than two minutes at that point to go, uh, you get a first down there, and I, it would have been tough, granted, but you got to get some yards on second down. Get some yards on second down, and at least put some pressure on them. But you know what? As you were as you were kind of outlining that, I was thinking, okay, why why do that? And I think this might go back to what you said about your biggest concern about the offense. This may go back to them being concerned about left tackle. You go hard play action there, and now your quarterback's exposed a little bit and you've got to hold yep. the ball for a little yep. bit and you're worried sack fumble, those kinds of things. I mean, I, I get that on some level. So to be fair, I will present that other side. I do think that was probably a concern. And it, it and matters it's probably a legit everything concern. you do. Yeah. yeah, 
it, it, it has to be somewhat of a concern. I mean, you, you got to ask yourself in that situation, okay, what's the worst case scenario? All right, the worst case scenario is J.J. Watt kills my left tackle and, and my quarterback in the process, right? So that could happen. And fair, fair point, fair point. So just want to, you know, cover all the bases, I think, and, you know, just kind of consider all the possibilities there. Um, so when you look at the AFC right now, because I mean that's the the big picture is what matters here. Tennessee lost. We know what their schedule is the rest of the way. They do have um, Green Bay and they do have Houston. So mm-hmm. this is not a you know yeah. I mean the Colts could do this. They could win the division. They got they're going to have to win one more game than than Tennessee. Right. They can't tie now. That right. and people may not understand that they they may not tie. I'm skipping. They may not. Uh, they, they may not win the tiebreaker is the problem right now. And and I think. Can that change? I don't know. Um, I believe the first tiebreaker, if division teams tie, is conference record. Now, the Colts have right. four games left against AFC teams. The Titans, I know they play the Packers, so they could only have a maximum of three. So right. um, we'll dig into all that. We'll play out all the scenarios in the coming weeks, coming days and weeks. But um, So Indy goes to Las Vegas, and the Raiders are a very schizophrenic team from what I've been able to tell. They play Houston at home. They go to Pittsburgh, which is tough. Yeah. Then they play Jacksonville at home in Week 17. But they're eight and four, and they're very much in this playoff picture. Um, it's going to be a fun month of December. I, I can tell you that they've got a lot to clean up though today. I can guarantee you the film sessions that they're going through on West 56th Street right now are, are not pretty in a lot of ways because they made a lot of mistakes yesterday. So at the risk of of looking too far ahead, I saw a. a playoff scenario uh last night just playing out the scenarios based on uh filling in the rest of the schedule based on winning percentages and i, I forget how how they did it. i think it was a playoff predictor but i saw one simulation last night it was kind of interesting and it ended up with the colts in the sixth spot i think the seventh spot i i think it was miami i can't remember but anyhow i do remember the colts being in the sixth spot obviously the wild card Going on the road to Buffalo, and that intrigued me. Oh, Frank like, Reich! Yeah, oh, that's a great storyline. It is, and also Buffalo's it's a good. winnable game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't love their chances, but could they go win that game? Yeah, I, so, I'm putting the Colts right here. I'm putting them in the second tier, and yeah. I don't think they're going to Kansas City or going to Pittsburgh and winning in the playoffs. But I think right. everything but else anybody is else. Yeah, yeah, Buffalo, Tennessee, Cleveland, Miami. I could see them winning any one of those games, whether it's at Lucas Oil or on the road. Yeah. Now, they and need that, to be the best version of the Colts. They need to have DeForest sure. Buckner not test positive for COVID three days before kickoff, <laughs> like what we saw last week. But um, I I think that's possible. I mean, it's going to be fun to see, you know, if this plays out. Maybe they're going to get the third game against Tennessee. You know, the Colts smack them too. around. Both teams won in dominant fashion on the other team's home field. So a third game with them would be fun. But I would love to see them play the Bills or the Browns again or even the Dolphins. Yeah, lots of it's lots of intriguing possibilities. So obviously the, the key is just get there and, and we'll see. I, I think staying out of that seven spot is probably the way to go, though. Because if, you st- if you're in the seven spot, you're probably going to either Kansas City or Pittsburgh. And good luck with that. So... Yeah, I think the sixth spot is a is a good place to be. I think that puts you against an opponent um, that gives you a really winnable game. But 
of course, getting there is the first order of business. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see. So we got things to monitor this week. Anthony Costanzo and left tackle situation is at Chaz Green. Um, you know, what's the status of LaRaven Clark even? You know, we're kind of assuming maybe this is a major injury, but maybe they dodge a bullet. I don't know. We'll see. So we will see how that goes. But uh, on the road to Las Vegas, uh, a team that I think has a lot in common with the Colts. Just, you know, hard to know who they are sometimes. But, um, you know, can can show some firepower at times and at other times uh, not so pro- efficient on offense. So I don't know. I, I think these two teams probably deserve each other. <laughs> so, so we'll see. It'd be interesting. Um, be interesting to go out there. And first, I wish we were actually on this trip for all these reasons. I know. This is the one I had circled. For yeah. a lot of reasons, but uh, it's all good. Thanks, we'll COVID. There. We'll get there. So, anyhow, um, it, that's us trying to make sense of it all. You know, there's a lot going on, but uh, hey, eight and four is eight and four, and they're right where they need to be, and they have a chance to do everything they want, and uh, whether they do that is up to them. So that's where your Indianapolis Colts are right now, after 13 weeks of the NFL season. So I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening. This is Once in Life.